everybody, welcome to uh, our next episode of uh, Plink Plunk. Um, I'm Georg Hilton. And I'm Aaron Smith. And today uh, we are going to be looking at a great track. Yeah, we're going to be looking at one of my favorite tracks of all time by the one and only Frank Ocean, specifically the album Blonde um, from 2016, the track White Ferrari. White Ferrari comes uh, near the very end of the album. It is number 14 on the on this kind of sprawling album. So it, it's just in the kind of very last uh, little chunk of the album. We'll um, play you bits and bits of the song throughout the episode. We will play the full song at the end of the show. I think that's uh, kind of a nice format. So... Just to clear that up, we're going to be pointing out uh, different sections and and different uh, interesting moments, some references to to music that you know connects to it and 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 like draw out some of the sounds and the tracks. So so we'll hopefully get through um, the most important things. Um, should we talk first about this album, Blonde? Well, maybe we can set the stage for everybody. Uh, this is probably our, our most, let's say, I don't want to say mainstream, but probably our biggest artist we've covered on the show. So I would imagine that um, many people listening, you know, maybe if you don't know, if maybe if you didn't know who uh, Rebecca Saunders was, maybe you, you at least know who Frank Ocean is. Um, and uh, so I imagine that many of you don't, but maybe... You uh, Peter Oblinger fans out there, maybe you don't know who Frank Ocean is. It's a shame, but it's definitely possible that you don't. So let's set let's set the stage. Who mm -hmm. is Frank Ocean? Yeah, he comes up um, out of like uh, um, California, um, but then he like moved to New Orleans. He started like you know and like more towards. Uh, he started out as a songwriter, wasn't it? Like in, in his early days, yeah. wrote songs for, for artists like Justin Bieber, Beyonce, John Legend, Brandy, and like a lot of the, these big names actually. Yeah. And so really well, well versed in like kind of like popular, like mainstream music. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he has had his foot in a lot of different um, stuff happening in pop music since the early 2000s, basically. And just to, to give the breakdown of kind of his geographical move and kind of biographical move and locations. You're right, York, he, he was born in California, but then his family moved to New Orleans. He was in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and then he went to school, uh, to uh, undergraduate in New Orleans, then moved to Cal back to California, to LA. Um, and while in LA uh, is where he kind of linked up with uh, a collective that um, many people might also recognize called uh, Odd Future. We're in a supercar for a day. Drive around with your friends, smoke a gram of that haze. Roll easy on the house, that's a lot for a day. But just enough for a week, my nigga, what can I say? I'm high and I'm by, wait, I mean I'm straight. I'ma get you this wine, the runner just brought the grapes. My brother, give it some time, Morris and Day. Don't you know the vibes, just as fly as the rhymes. So, just a small aside about Odd Future, um, maybe the biggest name um, revolving around Odd Future universe that people will recognize is Tyler the Creator. O F shit, 
that's all I got from my bigger brother Frankie to my little brother Todd From that father figure Clancy to that skating nigga not shredding down facts Wolfgang run the fucking block Storefront, knee tack, book cover is the same lettering on letterings and cotton socks Red tape I was 15 when I first drew that donut Five years later for our label, yeah, we own it I started an empire, I ain't even old enough To drink a fucking beer, I'm tipsy off this soda pop This is for the niggers in the suburbs And the white kids with nigger friends that say the N-word And the ones who got called weird fag bitch nerd Cause you was in the jazz kitty cats and Steven Spielberg they say we ain't acting right Always try to turn our fucking color into black and white But they'll never change them Never understand them Radical's my anthem Turn my fucking amps up So instead of critiquing and bitching Being mad as fuck Just admit not only are we talented We're rad as fuck um, So he's a famous rapper um, And has his own kind of big solo career now um, But uh, he was also kind of maybe Thought of as the kind of the kingpin of the Odd Future Kind of rap collective And kind of skate culture Kind of uh group um, another big name out of odd future as well as earl sweatshirt um, another big rapper who's had a much more kind of under the radar mm-hmm. kind of uh presence but frank ocean was in that group too but he he was kind of also a little bit of an under the radar figure kind of doing a guest vocal on a track from the mix a few tracks from the mixtape mm-hmm. but not really kind of peeking out too much um, again, as Georg said, kind of a behind-the-scenes kind of songwriter uh, type of guy for all these big, huge tracks. Um, and then he broke through with uh, first a mixtape um, where he released uh, a big single called Novocaine. Uh, that's a really amazing song. And then he finally came out with his first debut album called Channel Orange. Um, and that really kind of broke him out into his own kind of solo career. Uh, and then Blonde came after. But he's kind of lived an interesting public life in terms of this kind of elusive figure where he maybe will go and work on an album or you know, be rewriting an album for three or four years or whatever and no one will kind of hear from him and he'll kind of cancel dates and be a little bit idiosyncratic in that way in the public eye. Um, um, for, for instance, like I, I just Googled earlier today, like uh, any news on... <laughs> on Frank Ocean and he was like and, <laughs> right, and, yeah, and, and yeah, the answer uh-huh. was like no not not much has been uh, heard from his music but he's uh, currently working on his jewelry uh, his <laughs> right. very expensive jewelry line or something um, so right. he did have a he did have a jewelry pop up uh, a pop up store in in Harlem I think that mm-hmm. happened this last year but he, he definitely has like a very devoted fan base that are always just kind of, I feel like you always see that all over the internet when I'm searching around about him, is just like, his fans basically asking him, like, what, the, people have to ask, like, what's he up to now? Like, people are really mm-hmm. itching to kind of know what yeah. he's up to. And he's, he's kind of a little secretive about that kind of, what he's working on, mm-hmm. and, and which I think it brings an interesting allure to mm-hmm. his uh, music as well. And, and so he has this, like, you know, mainstream aura, but, you know, the music is it is it really mainstream it's it's kind of right. like you wouldn't hear many of these songs on on like popular radio or the top 50 right and so that's going to be a running theme that we talk about throughout this podcast today in in many ways even specifically for the specific track that we chose to talk about which mm-hmm. is white ferrari but that that brings us basically to blonde which i think 
I think in some ways, Georg, what you just mentioned is kind of the uh, maybe one of the thesis points, I feel like, mm-hmm. in many ways of Blonde, where it's this album that is, is so kind of, I think, easily likable, mm-hmm. um, which makes one, and it has so many elements um, of pop music, mm-hmm. it, it kind of uh, very disparate elements of pop music all kind of melded together. But somehow it's just like just outside of it. It mm-hmm. feels like just it still feels like outsidery music. Yeah. It feels like he he make he makes a lot of as you you'll see in our analysis kind of and breakdown of White Ferrari. He makes just enough kind of weird decisions basically and kind of strange compositional and timbral mm-hmm. decisions that I think it it essentially situates him in a place where he can be mainstream adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can be just weird enough to kind of have some kind of an outsidery mm-hmm. uh, weirdo stance, I think, mm-hmm. which makes, in my personal opinion, makes him amazing that he's able to straddle yeah, that line yeah, yeah. so beautifully. And I think that's something you see throughout the whole uh, album of Blonde, which, again, just kind of, I, I, I am hyperbolic about this album <laughs> to everyone because I think it's so... It's so amazing. Best best album of the best album of the two thousands so far, probably. Okay, okay, I, okay. I, I'm gonna I'm um, gonna say. I mean, top I ha- five, I, top five. I have to make a decision. Like, I'm I'm the Peter Applinger guy <laughs> that didn't know much about <laughs> Frank Ocean, and I just like I you know it's, I I just have to be frank about it. What track of the album do you think was most successful, on on that? Um, I think they essentially they marketed uh, the first track Nikes um, to be essentially the, the kind of single I think mm-hmm. um, it, it, I think it had a music video at some point although I think it's a little bit hard to find a music video or maybe it, that might have been some kind of licensing thing with Apple or with uh, you know one of the streaming services or whatever but I remember a, a friend sending me the music video for Nikes uh, right when it came out um, and I think that was kind of the big hit and I feel like you know with the theme that we're bringing up about this kind of mainstream adjacent I think that's the most in, in some ways that's the most uh, accessible song the most kind of like again almost could be a thing where it's a, it could be a top 40 mm-hmm. kind of song yeah um, but uh, it's it still does some weird things I think that make it just just weird enough, yeah. um, but I think maybe it's the most kind of easily likable. I think 
Nikes and like pink and white were maybe the most accessible mm. songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you look at if you look at pink and white, the one the co his co-writer for that one is Pharrell. Okay. So okay. Th that yes. that would make sense why mm -hmm. that why that one. Yeah. Would I mean that's stand out I mean as... that's like also like uh, uh, the most groovy kind of song of the album where mm -hmm. you know there's like. Uh, um, like a pretty steady pulse and and like has all the the kind of structure of and mm -hmm. and, and things of uh, normal pop songs, you know, pop song in a way. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, but that that does bring up an interesting point. We can talk r real quick about this breakdown of kind of who who are the people in in the Frank Ocean universe in some ways I think that tells you a lot about kind of what kind of music is being played without even hearing it um, and what kinds of you know production d decisions they're kind of making um, so even just looking at the breakdown of the different writers and producers involved in the different tracks I think can be really interesting and and tell you a lot about the album so mm -hmm. you know for instance like I said pink and white uh, Pharrell's credited as a co-writer on that. Mm -hmm. In the second track in Ivy, um, Rostam from uh, Vampire Weekend is ah. credited as, in a producer role. Wow, um, that makes sense. And then, yeah, and then uh, James Blake is credited as a producer in track five for the song Solo. Mm -hmm. um, he's also credited again as a producer in track 10 for the uh, reprise of Solo. Um, oh, sorry. Also, there's another Rostam uh, co-writer uh, credit for uh, Siegfried, okay. track 15. Mm -hmm. um, which, and, which is uh, probably another, the weirdest track on the album. Yeah, in, in many ways, yeah. Uh, yeah, is one of the weirder ones. Mm -hmm. And then we also have, which interestingly enough, also has a, an Elliot Smith kind of quote or interpolation mm -hmm. um, in that track as well. But then the uh, the next track, Godspeed. Also has another James Blake um, uh, producer credit, and then lastly, close to you, track thirteen it uses some elements of a Carpenter song, mm -hmm. but the a co-producer on that is Francis Starlight of uh, his solo project. It's called Francis and the Lights. I think another big person to mention is that Andre Three Thousand makes oh. an appearance okay. in the uh, track ten. Um, and this is actually his second appearance. He he has a, uh, a featuring role in Channel Orange as well. That's okay, a really okay. big moment. Wow. Um, so that's another kind of big through line. Mm -hmm. um, Tyler, the creator, shows up as a co-writer in track six. Um, so that, that's that odd feature connection again. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for the track that we're going to be talking about, White Ferrari, interestingly, um, Kanye West is, uh, or should I say, yay, um, is credited as a co-writer for White Ferrari. Okay, actually. wow. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty stacked uh, mm -hmm. ticket. And I think one of the names that, antithetical to what I'm doing, which is listing all the big names that are associated with him, antithetical to that, a name that runs through the whole thing that I think is a big backbone for a lot of um, Frank Ocean's work that is more of a deep, deep dive kind of person to look into um, mm -hmm. that I would advise everyone to look into if they like this album is to check out Buddy Ross. Um, Buddy Ross is a name that's kind of always running around Frank Ocean stuff. I think, uh, you know, I, I might have this information a little bit wrong, from, but from my own internet sleuthing, I think he uh, is the keyboard player that plays live with Frank Ocean, but he's also like around in the studio a lot and uh, 
you know, he has the writer credit on track four, Be Yourself, but he also has a producer role in uh, several of the, of the songs. Um, cool. yeah. And a, a writing role in the Close to You, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, um, you know, if you look at a lot of his own solo music, you can see a lot of ways that that has creeped in um, production-wise into Frank Ocean's music. And, and it shows, like, throughout the album that he is... Uh he's really kind of a student of music history, you know, in a lot of ways. Like he is, he seems yeah. to be like, you know, uh, not just like a guy who likes making pop music. He is really kind of like knows totally. a lot of music. And, and Yeah, you can tell he's definitely a music nerd and mm -hmm. like a music. Um, he's very, uh, uh, his attention to detail, I think, is incredible. I think mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah. undeniable. Um, and uh, there's there so many references to other music. There's so many, even if it's not like an explicit reference, like the one we're gonna be talking about in White Ferrari, um, or one like Close to You in The Carpenters, um, that there's there's just a lot of stuff going on uh, and a lot of influences in terms of mm -hmm. past music. And uh, yeah. you know, one of the things I saw about what Frank Ocean was saying revealing about the production of this was that mm -hmm. basically he was listening to a lot of Beach Boys and a lot of the Beatles. Yeah. Um, and I think in many ways that shows up in mm -hmm. a very interesting and strange way mm -hmm. uh, throughout this album and just the way things get constructed and the mm -hmm. different kinds of decisions yeah. he makes in the kind of that mainstream adjacent thing. Yeah, you can really kind of, uh, I mean see him listening to um like pet sounds and and beat the beach boys yeah. album and then like rubber soul and like later beetle albums like such and peppers where like right. things kind of flow flow together and each song is kind of like its own thing and yep. you can sense a lot of these influences in a in a weird way although they are not yeah. like it doesn't sound any anywhere close to like being that that music like you know yeah it's, it's definitely not a beach boys re, re, like reboot or no, 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 <laughs> anything no, no, like no. that you know and, and like um, it's his like own not, thing not even like you know a lot of like uh, uh, i don't know bands listen to beach boys and then like you know they they start like um you know vocalizing like them a little bit right or, or right. you know you know, making arrangements, like big arrangements, but these are, these arrangements, especially like in this song, White Ferrari is pretty sparse. So now let's turn to White Ferrari and let's kind of break it down uh, piece by piece and kind of look at all the things, uh, do, mm -hmm. do a kind of uh, play by play analysis of uh, the track and kind of talk about what types of things we find mm -hmm. to be really special about it and kind of our, our kind of different perception about how different things happen throughout mm -hmm. it yeah i mean the i think the overarching element is that for for this song is basically how how like sparse it is and in in the arrangement and there is like never um there are not many like you know like uh, a huge huge sound except for i mean his voice which is huge at some points um but right in the beginning, it's just this like uh, synth pad, uh, um, this really kind of fat, beautiful sounding synth, uh, synth, um, holding these like uh, laying these chords, uh, 
and going circle by circle again and again through them. And like, but at that, like in the beginning, it's his voice sounds um, the most pop sounding throughout the track. It's really contemporary. It's, um, you know, what you would expect for, you know, R&B, you know, great voice. Um, sounds a little bit like Weekend or, or something like in similar that c category. Um, if you read very hooky, hooky and yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. very like warm and kind of centered, right? Like really, mm -hmm. it's a very balanced sound yeah, right yeah. at the beginning. Bad luck to talk on these rides. Mine on the road, your dilated eyes. Watch the clouds float, white Ferrari. Had a good time. But Georg, I really liked when you were telling me, um, I, I want you to walk us through, maybe give us like kind of an overview before we go piece by piece. I really okay. like to kind of for, to center our listeners um, about your formal idea of the, of okay. the whole track and then kind of going piece by piece because mm -hmm. I thought your analysis of the overall form it helps to set up a really interesting kind of roadmap okay. uh, for, for the whole piece. Yeah. So you talk about these, these three kind of different sections. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, that's, um, I mean, what I just described is kind of the beginning and the first section, like kind of, it, it's always like, it's um, creating this expectation of, of like a buildup. Um, we can talk about that later how it just like holds the kind of same line throughout. But at the moment, um, it kind of uh, cuts into another section, uh, which is the, the middle section. I care for you still and I will forever. That was my part of the deal. Honest. We got so familiar Spending each day of the year White Ferrari Good times It's hard to really identify, you know, to what, what to call that section, but it's, uh, it's, you know, there are more voices, there's more call and response. It just drops down to one guitar, almost. Um, and, and it becomes this, uh, you know, uh, vocal arrangements over the top of the guitar, almost like indie bands, uh, like almost a little bit bulky, gospely. Um, and then it it's goes. It's very stripped down. It's it very like, stripped yeah. down. Um, uh, and doesn't sound like R&B in that sense anymore. Like we have left kind of, it's really um, just the guitar, the voice. Uh, and then we go into uh, a section, which uh, the third section, um, which is like more, uh, the voice is closed mic'd. Um, it's super close to you. 
but the how he uses his voice voice is completely different from the other three sections um it's uh it sounds you know almost like a person we have covered in the show before he's so, referencing justin vernon there's yeah. a lot of a lot of a lot of babble around on the internet about uh, his voice sounding so different that it must be someone else who's featuring on the the track White Ferrari mm-hmm. and people saying, oh, did Justin Vernon get a feature on the Frank Ocean album? But the surprising thing uh, is that it's not. It's, it's, it's Frank's voice throughout the whole yeah, yeah, track, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. doing all the voiceovers and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and then doing that last part, it just is recorded so differently. And he, he uses his voice in such mm-hmm. a... Ex- different expressive manner than he does before. I'm sure we're taller in other dimension. You say we're small and not worth the mention. You're tired of moving, your body's aching. We could vacate as places to go. Clearly, this is it. All that there is can't take what's been given. But we're so he uses his voice in such a different expressive way and uses his voice in such a different timbral way that it's kind of it is kind of jarring it is mm-hmm. uh kind of a little bit unidentifiable at first um and uh, yeah, we can we can break through yeah, yeah. some more of the details, some more of the details with that. But I really liked your idea, basically, that I think is really illustrative for listeners of this kind of formal idea of this kind of road mm-hmm. trip. Yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, for when I saw it, like, and listened to it throughout, my idea was kind of that in the beginning you are in a fast sports rides. sports car on the highway. Um, you know, everything is... Maybe just on the outskirts of the city. And, you know, the turmac is, like, so flat and so smooth, and you just, like, glide on the street. Um, and then, like, you're just, like, you have to take, like, a little bit of a turn, and you're, like, in the, like, on a country road. Uh, much more, uh, there is, like, gravel on the road, you know, and a little bit of, like... You suddenly see, like, you know, the mountains in the far, but, you know, they are there, but you're still, like, driving, and there's... Still in the valley. In the valley, and there is, uh, I mean, like, dust coming, like, you know, up a little bit around you because the car is driving on the gravel, um, gravel roads, and then, like, suddenly, like, you enter up the uphill, like, kind of in the mountain cabin. Uh, area where you just like yeah um yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah 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 totally the, the the thing that i was thinking about after you mentioned that the, the only way that the only thing that i'd modify about that analogy is um and, and again we'll get into the details more of each separate section is i think we in the the first one the first going to the second is so sudden mm-hmm. it's almost like we've gotten off the freeway we've mm-hmm. gotten we took an exit and we mm-hmm. ended up on that country road kind of yeah. idea and then in the third one um that there's it's still pretty sudden and so it but i think the main 
uh, difference for me is we do go up into that mountain and it is, becomes a little cozier, a little more woodsy. Mm-hmm. We see a cabin in the, you know, that we're kind of leading up to. And I feel like the third is kind of this moment where actually, if, if this is a car song, which is like another thing we can talk about a little mm-hmm. bit, I think the, th- the third section is the moment we get out of the car and we enter the we enter the cab. We yeah, enter the warm definitely. cabin. Like I, I think yeah, it's it yeah, has I this. Mean, the, the third part has this like, really intimate, really cozy kind of interiority to it, where it is like talking to someone really up close. Yeah, I, I mean, like you know, I I think we've lighted like candles and stuff. Up yeah, the, yeah. You in walk the into cabin. the cabin and it's like, it's like a a, a very sexy like. Yeah, yeah, yeah romantic cabin getaway Mm -hmm. time and you're you know like that's what you're um Mm -hmm. that's what that's what that whole drive has been leading up Mm -hmm. to in some ways it's like this intimate encounter and this intimate moment um and that's what that's why that third section is so so special so anyways that i think that's a good i think that's a good flyby for Mm -hmm. the for the whole the whole thing so you can see the shape of the overall Mm -hmm. kind of form in that way and and this is i mean like you know just like to to comment on that right away um this is not a common form for a pop song totally right so we're totally missing our normal yeah where's the chorus? which parts which of those three parts is the chorus which one's the verse which one's the bridge that we lose all that you're totally right and and like i would say like if you would just like it you know drop the needle on like uh, if i use a turntable analogy just like in the first um and in the first part you know, and you would give it like a 20 second listen and then you would like, you know, go out of the room and you would come back and you would drop the needle on the and uh, in, in the next part, you know, and you wouldn't see the vinyl, but you just hear. I wouldn't be sure that like someone who never heard that song would recognize it would be the same artist. Totally. Yeah. Uh, both the same artist, the same song. E- they each each little section could really be its own mm-hmm. thing. And it feel like it. one of the I think the things to highlight with this track in many ways, one of the biggest things that we're mentioning right now, I think, is the how strange that form is in terms of the fact that all three of those sections are so disparately different, mm-hmm. yet somehow there's like this magic involved in that they work perfect somehow they're the they're complete Mm -hmm. misnomers but they work beautifully side by side somehow Mm -hmm. with with those the strange cuts that we'll talk about and how how we get into each of them is Mm -hmm. also bizarre but it's just yeah they all three of them are their complete own separate entities yet they work together so well it's it's stunning mm-hmm. it's just stunning i yeah. can't i can't get enough of it and and it's like a testament to like how a d- diverse artist he is i think and like yeah what, totally what, what like you know that he can do incredible things with his voice but he's not always like yeah. belting or not always like doing the same runs right you know right like you can really hear right. like you know he plays with his nuances of of you know, each section, yeah. he, he, he um, right. you know, changes the timbre and... Right, yeah, so I think that the other big star thing to bring up that Georg's getting us into now is I think the other amazing uh, highlight of the track is it's really a testament both to Frank Ocean's vocal prowess, basically, and his range uh, that Georg's talking about. It, it's... It, it's really a testament to 
him and the other producers involved in, in uh, their kind of use of the studio as an instrument kind mm-hmm. of idea in that I think the studio, the way they've gone about recording it in different ways really sets it these sections up differently and mm-hmm. gives the, the tracks such a range. It, they, they're just masterfully using st- studio devices and studio equipment mm-hmm. in different uh, technical ways. I forget the third thing that I was going to say, but the, 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 those those two testaments I think are are a huge mm-hmm. uh, draw for what makes this track so, I think complex actually, um, in its short uh, in in its short amount of time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it's only a uh, four minute track basically, so that mm-hmm. it fits time wise, it fits really nicely into the pop kind of time duration mm-hmm. but it's able to pack all these like subtle nuances all inside of it mm-hmm. um oh the the third thing i was going to say was i think not only is it a testament to uh the studio recording techniques that they have but it's also in i think it, I, I, i'm even going to go as far as saying i think it's uh an electronic music i i, I i'm going to even say it's a it's a um it's expertise in in as music concrete, I think, mm-hmm. uh, adds another layer to it on top. And we'll talk about a little bit about the sampling work that's involved and some of the kind of electronic sounds and electronic nuances that are happening around it. Those those three things, Frank Ocean's voice malleability, the malleability of the recording studio, and then the malleability of samples and electronic mm. music al- elements, music concrete elements. I think all those th- three things wrapped in that strange form is what makes White Ferrari such a beautifully complex and nuanced mm-hmm. kind of pop track. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, let, now let's walk through kind of step by step. Through okay, those okay. sections. Yep. So you, you, we, you talked a lot about that first section and the synth situation. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one before, I think we basically, I think you basically talked us through the first section. Mm-hmm. The, the only one little thing I wanted to point out there for our listeners that we'll play a little clip of is you'll hear this sound around 55 seconds in. There's this like really quiet sound that's panned pretty far to your, only to your right ear um, that I want you to listen for. I don't think it happens ever again in the track. Mm-hmm. But it's just this really random little, like, almost like, I, I kind of called it like a techno sound because it's almost just like this very, almost like classical electronic music sound that just kind of like scampers away. Ferrari, stick close by It's just like a one second little thing, all these like mm-hmm. little you know, nuanced uh, s- sound samples that, that are being used in this, I think, are really delicate and really interesting. So that's the one thing in, in, in the first section. But then how do we get into the second section? I think that's really interesting formally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, there is, like, basically kind of, as you were talking about in our car analogy, 
it's basically just like a U-turn. Um, um, so basically it's like almost like, uh, you know, they're just like hit like a bump on the road and the car is suddenly somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And, uh -huh. and that brings right. us maybe to another analogy that we were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, a few days ago was the kind of movie analogy. Mm, I mean, this right. seems yep. so much like a movie, like kind of film yeah. thing where you have these like right. cuts uh, between scenes. Right. And these are like kind of, w which I right. was like trying to make into like a trip, like a whole trip. Uh, could be maybe yeah, also yep. like more cinematic. Um, right. So really yeah, kind of yeah. where we, at this point, like we, cut and there is the next scene um totally yeah uh -huh. um yeah i think that's a great a great point yeah mm -hmm. you know there is the guitar that comes in with the kind of chord um and it's just like everything kind of like mm -hmm. focuses down and stri strips down right. to to like and you think actually that it's gonna be more intimate but then it kind of breaks uh -huh. out to almost like a sing-along thing and right all those different voices, voices and, out kind of thing. and like you can hear a lot of this like he had an off mic where where he is a little bit further from the microphone right. like you know and screaming his lung outs and right yeah um yeah i think the thing you're bringing up there that's really interesting is the kind of way we perceive that 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 those two different sections i think in terms of space perception i think is mm -hmm. insane for the this track the first section going to the second section because the first section like you said that synth is so it, it what makes it so poppy in a really beautiful way is the synth is so juicy it's like mm -hmm. it's just like delectable you know it's like fills up if you listen with headphones that synth is just so round it's just filling mm -hmm. your ears with mm -hmm. sound and it's just so, such a warm kind of uh, it's such a warm sound. And then that cut, it's almost like all that warmth just falls completely mm -hmm. away. Everything falls off the bone, basically, mm -hmm. at that point. And I feel like it's a situation where you feel the sense of this movement into empty space. Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think our, your ears really have this sense of the, the sound waves filling up your ears in the first section. In the second section, this, this sense of just all this open space that it, mm -hmm. it seems like, like you said, it, it seems like it's going to be stay really sparse and we have this sense of openness. But, and that's the case, but it, he starts adding all these layers with all the extra voices, like you said. But the way he does the extra voices, like you said, he th throws them way out and he uses mm -hmm. really interesting usage of reverb to throw them and panning to throw the voices out in multiple different directions. I guess bringing your car analogy again, maybe in some way where it's this type of thing where you're hearing the sounds like, off in the distance, you know, mm -hmm. like you said, it's a valley and maybe it's very open, sparse space. Mm -hmm. And so you're hearing things, you know, over uh, maybe a mile away over to the left. And then mm -hmm. you're hearing something happening a mile away to the right. You're hearing all these voices kind of popping up. And so you still get the, the, the presence of the open space is still maintained. Mm -hmm. You're just getting the sounds out and panned around in that open space. That I think is a really interesting kind of usage of m kind of multidimensional space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think adds so much richness to this track that it's not just a change in kind of the material of the section, but you know, I think it, it's a change in the timbre of the sound and mm -hmm. it's a change in the production 
quality and the production techniques mm-hmm. of the sound, which makes that so ec- extra jarring. It, w- it would already be jarring mm-hmm. if if you went from the first materials to the second materials, but the the special detailed techniques that they use to get us from one to the second mm-hmm. is so much more cinematic, like you're saying, because if it was a real cut into a new scene, the light would be different and mm-hmm. the coloring would we'd be yeah. different and maybe the 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 uh the lens uh would be a little bit different and maybe the the distance away from the actors would be different and mm-hmm. so all these extra little details make it really important for how we perceive mm-hmm. section one from section yeah. two i think so i text the speech lesser speeds text the speed yes Basic takes its toll on me eventually, eventually, yes. I on me eventually, eventually, yes. I care for you still and I will forever. And you can like you the guys in the studio probably like you know brought out uh, out other mics, um Routed, totally, yeah. routed the system a little bit differently. I mean, he stepped away away right. from the microphone a lot more. Right. And, and yeah. And you know, it was just like probably a complete different atmosphere, which right, which, which right. is kind of like it doesn't just it it um it's also like a you know the the whole track it feels like a trip also through like different emotions yeah. in many ways. Right. And and by the way, I mean the car car analogy doesn't come from like. Uh, the blue sky, you know, it, in the text, there's like maybe we we can go over the text right. a little bit later, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah, like right from the beginning, there's like uh, bad luck to talk on these rights, uh, mind on the road, your dilated eyes. It's it, you know, and it a lot of it, it basically he has a thing with cars, isn't it? Like right, the, right, yeah, the car, the car things. We're not making up the car thing. I mean, he hasn't said that this track in particular. You know, yeah. he hasn't laid out the form for for yeah. listeners in that way. That's kind of mm-hmm. our own analogy. But we're we're, the, we're not getting the car thing out of nowhere. Frank yeah. Ocean's famously famously obsessed with with cars, and you know, for for uh, the his mixtape, um, mm-hmm. for his his first mixtape, the cover of it is a is a car. You know, th- this album came out with a. Uh, like 350 page zine <laughs> that has all kinds of uh, car photographs yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, talks about cars all the time. And mm-hmm. he's always, he's always talking about cars and his, you can check out his old Tumblr is a, is really the best way to kind of get to know Frank Ocean is to kind of do a deep dive in his own personal Tumblr, which is really interesting, beautiful mm-hmm. world on its own that I'd recommend yeah. to <laughs> all of you uh, that are pine, pining for the old Tumblr mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, similarly in the in the zine, you know, he has this beautiful essay that he writes and he talks a little bit about, you know, he says something to the effect of, you know, people ask me why I'm so obsessed with cars and I, I, I can't help it. I, even though it seems to be like a very kind of, he says like a very straight boy kind of masculine mm-hmm. kind of thing to be obsessed with cars. And maybe it is, uh, he says, you know, it doesn't make him any less, uh, it doesn't make it, it doesn't make him straight and it doesn't make him want to be straight but he mm-hmm. still is obsessed with it like it's just <laughs> it's the imagery of it and the open road mm-hmm. I think aspect of it 
is yeah, all I mean, you know I think of interest for him and we see it a lot in his lyrics as well as we're talking about with White it's the, the song's called White Ferrari right yeah, we're not yeah. we're also not even getting out of nowhere from just the track title it's named mm-hmm. after a car right so yeah. um, I think that yeah that car imagery I think is something we can carry with us through mm-hmm. um, and there are many other kinds of uh, interesting imagery going on um, that we can yeah uh, break down a little bit more mm-hmm. if, if when we uh kind of start to parse out the lyrics but one thing i'll say with the lyrics in the second section i think it's really telling we get this change in the lyrics too we get this beautiful line uh the i i care for you still i think is one of the first lines that happens when we break into this intimate guitar Mm -hmm. thing and so even there that he's not only not only did it have all those amazing layers of things that we talked about in terms of timbre and studio techniques but then he's also with his lyrics once we hear that line too, it's this it's this very first person, very intimate kind of line, and we get that feeling, um, you know, that that he's talking directly to us or directly mm-hmm. to a lover or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it it adds to that kind of quality of just the stripped down guitar mm-hmm. and Frank Ocean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like very very intimate mm-hmm. kind of uh, situation, and it's only gonna get more intimate and more sexy from there when mm-hmm. we get to the third section but uh other stuff in uh in section two that you want to talk about at some point there was like there was one line that always like even like sometimes when you listen to something and repeat uh and you like you listen to it once or twice like fully with uh, full focus and then you zoom kind of out there was only always like one line where my brain got like I've heard this line before, um, uh-huh, and right. and like I hadn't like thought about it any any. Uh, I mean, like I didn't look it up or anything. But then I was walking home like a few days ago, and I was uh, listening to the the track in my headphones from the from the train, uh, and I heard spending each day of the year. Spending each day of the year. I probably like scrolled through it once and was thinking something else, but then the line came again, like spending each day of the year. And I like suddenly like, whoa, okay, that's a musical quotation. Um, And and, like, this is from the Beatles. And I went home and and immediately like uh, um, brought out my Beatles album. Um, They went online and like here, there and everywhere. (laughs) he does it so well so i i wasn't like right. you know it it's not like uh it's so seamless that it it isn't very obvious i think right right yeah yeah and, and uh, yeah i think that's the amazing thing of that right is that I, I, I thought it was so interesting hearing your retelling of that because for me, uh, I would look at myself and a million people are going to hate me for this, but I would look at myself much more as a Frank Ocean knower and Frank Ocean head than I would like a Beatles head. Um, I know they're just, they're not the same thing. I, I just mean that, that Frank Ocean's music is what I feel much more close to. And so for me... You know, I, I think I'd read that somewhere, but I didn't really know that song, so mm-hmm. it didn't really mean that much to me. But hearing you say that you heard that in that new, after many listenings, um, oh, that sounds kind of distantly familiar, but doesn't really. 
uh, it doesn't really ring a bell, but then finally it kind of clicked thing, I think is so telling for the usage of this, because like you said, he he melds it into his mm-hmm. own thing. Um, that you don't have to have any knowledge of the Beatles. It's not. No, 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 no. It, it, it it gives a little wink if you do have that extra mm-hmm. knowledge. But it's not about it's not about having to to uh, recognize it and know it mm-hmm. for it to mean anything or mm-hmm. or for it to have any special quality of its own. It's just a perfectly beautiful mm-hmm. line and a perfectly beautiful mm-hmm. um, flow from before that and after that that it, it, it you don't have to know that but it adds just like an extra kind of interest mm-hmm. to know that yeah he, he is quoting something there and it and I, I think it, it basically just begs the question of how that kind of got inserted mm-hmm. in there if it was a matter more so of uh, that was a thing that's a line that he really loved and wanted to add in ahead of time and planned to have that you know even just looking up here, there, and everywhere. Like you can look up on the Wikipedia page for it. What's interesting is that I think Paul McCartney had said that here, there, and everywhere came out of, of him meeting Brian Wilson mm-hmm. and listening to Pet Sounds a lot. Yeah. So the lineage here is super strong. That you know this this Beatles track comes out of the Beach Boys and mm-hmm. what they were experimenting with in Pet Sounds, and then this Frank Ocean track comes with all that kind of. Uh, I would say really kind of already in, in, injected and invested in that just so naturally that he, like you said, he's, he's not trying to put together a uh, Beatles-esque uh, ripoff. You know, mm-hmm. he's not trying to, to make a new Pet Sounds. He's not, you know, there are many bands, like you said, indie bands who went through their Beatles phase or their Beach mm-hmm. Boys phase where they decided to, you know, play chamber pop and and mm-hmm. they were gonna write all these like five part harmonies and all this stuff um and sometimes that's great but i think what's so special about this album um and so special about frank ocean is that he's able to take all that essentially kind of let it infuse into his bloodstream mm-hmm. in some way and then so naturally just output completely his own stuff that has that almost like in its dna it's not it's not an, it's not mm-hmm. a uh, it's not a postmodern thing it's not a it's not a uh, it's not just a adding one on top of the other kind of thing it's not a it's mm-hmm. not even a collage kind mm-hmm. of thing necessarily even though in in many ways it's it has elements of collage in it but it's like the the you know i guess bringing up that that as a as a visual art form you know i think so, sometimes some of the most beautiful collage pieces to me are these things where you don't know how they put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. It just it just looks like a its own brand new piece. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter that it's newspaper yeah. or found materials or natural mm-hmm. materials or whatever. They just all form into a, a beautiful, mm-hmm. interesting piece of art. Yeah. That's all one thing. And I think that that's basically what Frank Ocean does yeah. with this track. I just want ways. to make like the final conspiracy theory about please. These, I, uh, let, we can these, turn this into just a conspiracy. <laughs> Show these, on music, uh, if you want. these uh, last lines of that words, uh, of that verse, spending each day of the year, Beatles. Uh, next line, <laughs> good times. Mm. Let's change that. Good vibrations. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good vibrations in my life. No, in this uh-huh. life, he changes. Uh-huh. So he is right. making their uh, uh, direct quotation, uh, uh, a quotation to a reference to. Uh, uh, Beatles song, a uh, reference to uh, 
Beach Boys track and, and like these uh, last three sentences of that verse. Okay, I'm done. I love it. Our, our, re <laughs> our, our resonant conspiracy theorist okay. is done with, yeah. with his theories. Yeah. But I love it. That's great. No, I think, I think you know, in that, the, the kind of beautiful thing about that in many ways, again, very similarly to how we're talking about the style um, mm. of that quotation is that that it's in the it's in a gray area. Yeah, it's yeah. so yeah. close where it, mm. it it it's the type of thing where it's not obvious. It's mm. not an obvious thing that that's the case. But it's not not obvious that it's not, <laughs> or it's not obvious that it's not uh, the case. It, it's just right in between. No, I mean it's uh, I mean it's direct melodic um, and and everything, but it just falls um, really kind of right in the verse. Um, so it just really fits. Um. So right now I'm we're babysitting a uh, Frenchie named Gus, and Gus is crazy, uh, <laughs> and so you might hear him barking in the background. He's just like an insane dog, just like barking his brains out. Okay, so anyways, other stuff in uh, in section two. Yeah, I mm. think we talked a lot about the different voices, the different reverbs. Mm -hmm. um, the, the only other kind of like little, again, weaving through the track are these kind of weird little samples. Mm -hmm. um, there is an interesting sample that pops up in uh, the second section that I thought was kind of interesting to listen out for that we'll put a little clip of. At around 140, there's this really interesting kind of like tick-tack kind of sound that happens. Mm -hmm. That was my part of the deal. You know, to me, it was almost this thing where, I, I, I didn't think about this until after we talked last. You were talking about, you were thinking that the, you know, you, you were bringing up to me how there should be kind of a, there should be a kind of uh, drop at some point. There should be a beat <laughs> that drops in at some point. And mm -hmm. one of the beautiful things about this track is that there just isn't. Like, you just keep mm -hmm. thinking it's going to drop. It's going yeah, yeah, yeah. to get yeah. into a groove. But it just never does. But I, what I thought was kind of interesting when, that when you mentioned the beat dropping kind of idea, mm -hmm. it made me kind of hear that that this ticky tacky sound in a different way where it almost sounds like it could have been in another life um, or put in a different context. It, it's kind of like a hi-hat sound. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. it kind of feels like this thing where that that's a moment where we get this kind of like little percussive Mm -hmm. glimmer basically right there yeah um and i think actually my, here's here's my conspiracy theory i have my own conspiracy theory about the okay. track okay. which inv involves the sample so okay. basically um we have this one sample that comes in actually in the first section that i didn't mention mm -hmm. that comes in about 35 seconds in um mm -hmm. the way i hear this sample i don't know how you heard it, it is essentially is kind of a i, I heard it uh, as like a guitar recording, maybe, you know, maybe it's just how they EQ'd it, but I heard it as kind of a shitty guitar recording, maybe mm -hmm. done in the rehearsal space on a phone or something like that. Basically like a demo kind of sound. I let you out at Central. And so you hear that at kind of 35 seconds. It comes back again. I think this is in section uh, 
to probably at 255. Mm. Same thing, basically. It's this kind of guitar strum sound. Um, it's kind of like got basically, it sounds like maybe like a high pass filter on it or something like that because we're, it's losing any kind of low body to it. Mm. Um, and so it, that's why it makes me think of it maybe being recorded on a phone or something like that. Um, but it, it, the weird thing about it is it's this strumming pattern, this like straight eighth note strumming mm -hmm. pattern thing, but it, it's not at all in, you know, in the right rhythm for the, for the main layer mm -hmm. of the track. Like yeah. it, it's why I call it kind of the music concrete thing is because it, it, it just feels like where that was a sample and they just boop, they just put it in the session right on top mm -hmm. in, in yeah. Pro Tools, you know? So mm -hmm. it's like just its own, it's at its own kind of completely different tempo. It's not a thing where they were matching it mm -hmm. up and overdubbing. It's just a sample. It shows mm -hmm. itself as very sample-like in that way. So it comes back at 255. And then, uh, you know, we move into this third section, which we're moving into talking about uh, at like 306. Um, and at right there, there's this like click sound or this kind of weird little tiny, you know, uh, let's let's call it let's call it a plink. There's a little plink mm -hmm. sound, a slice um, this of little a plink. sliver. Sliver yes, a slice of a, of a plink, mm -hmm. a sliver of a plink, mm -hmm. a little cut of a sound, this metallic-y kind of sound mm -hmm. that happens. My conspiracy basically is that I think, and maybe it's just a desire for organicism conspiracy theory, where I think all the samples that are used, my conspiracy is that they're all of the same mm -hmm. original recording. That yeah. my, my conspiracy with it is I think that they did maybe some kind of a rehearsal recording on a phone or something at some point. Mm -hmm. And basically slice different sections out of it and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, maybe uh, not stretch it, but like smushed it, maybe a one second version of it or something like that. And you get just like this uh, kind of mm -hmm. like little cut sound um, by slicing that up. That's how you get the kind of hi-hat kind of sound that I think there's a drummer that comes in at some point, basically. Mm -hmm. And they cut that up in a weird way. And then the guitar sound is just like a certain speed of that. But then and why? My why I have this conspiracy is because at the very end of the track, mm -hmm. basically at uh, um, like after a, the track has almost like faded out. Yeah, basically right. Basically, as an outro kind mm -hmm. of thing, we, we lose the main pop layer of the track, and then what's revealed beneath it in some ways is just this like random drum groove that's in a completely different tempo, mm -hmm. different, very different EQ, very different room sound mm -hmm. um very different reverb style that's what they call it
that's just kind of like sitting under there. It's just like this jam session, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, that they did this jam session in the rehearsal space, took it on a phone, cut it up in different ways, and used that as this like almost like music concrete on top of mm-hmm. this kind of main pop uh, mm-hmm. track, which has like very nice studio techniques and all this stuff. And they just kind of pop put all those um, little sounds uh, mm-hmm. within all over the place. And I think that I, I think that's a very appealing aesthetic. Yeah, and I, and I, and like what the, what, what I think is really, as you said, appealing um, is especially for the, the, the second and the third part where, you know, you, right. you, you hear these samples is that it adds a little bit of like a lo-fi quality. Right. It. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Which is this like, you know, home recording studio, mm-hmm. like phone recording thing where it's like you can hear that it sounds shitty but you know who cares right. um but there's yeah it's like gr- it, it's noisy it's got a grain and mm-hmm. a texture to it right yeah, yeah that's very different than the like studio hi-fi quality that mm-hmm. a lot of the other stuff is done yeah in. i know and especially like i mean the, this first part i mean it's like a high right. glossy high fidelity high like 3d sharp um you know uh, just like a really nice large German car, like an, an right. advertisement, <laughs> like a Mercedes Benz, right. and and then you, um, <laughs> right. you know, you you get like much more grainy, like a car car with a soul, with with things right. and and like yeah, yeah. weird sounds in it. So. Right, right, yeah, yeah. We're getting more of that grit, and like you were mm-hmm. talking about in your car analogy, we're getting the we're getting the. Uh, the gravel that's popping up at our mm-hmm. car and making little yeah. sounds at the car and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. think that, that's an interesting way of visualizing it at least. Yeah. Um, so that, that essentially brings us into this third section, this very strange third section. And, and lastly with that, in terms of samples, there's, there's essentially there's another kind of cinematic cut mm-hmm. at 234, which brings us into this weird section. And I even would go so far to say, similarly into that lo-fi aesthetic and, and into that, I think, it, again, with my conspiracy of it being the same sample, it's really kind of a shitty cut <laughs> that happens. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, 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 not, it's not very careful. There's noise around the, the mm-hmm. edges, and it kind of, there's almost like a click sound, and there's just like some grit around mm-hmm. where that cut is that is so perfect. It's so beautiful when it comes in, that it, it would be lacking if it was just a, a very basic, beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, kind of perfect, um, well-done, well-manicured cut. We need that kind of that kind of grittiness around it, I mm-hmm. think, adds so much texture to, mm-hmm. that, to that cut when it happens because it's a very special moment. And so it almost adds, by having that richness, that depth, it it kind of signals us and jars us into this third section, mm-hmm. which is one of the most special parts of the the track. Yeah. So this is our inside the cabin intimate moment. Candles on. Um, candles, candles blazing, <laughs> sexy as hell. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) Topping up through briskies and um, no, but I mean, um, I mean, it's it's you know it's like putting like if you go into the cinematic 
uh, right. uh, visuals, you, you just like see right. like they, they change lens on the camera and it's yeah. like, you know, it's, uh, you know, totally new, like very warm lighting situation, mm -hmm. like darker, yeah. darker tones. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, all the stuff that you were mentioning, Georg, in the part two, but just they use new techniques again, where mm -hmm. it's all about mic placement in this, and mm -hmm. they maybe swapped out and used totally different mics for this section, and he's mm -hmm. recording his vocals so close, um, mm -hmm. to the, like super close mic'd, and, you know, like like you were saying before about the other, this track's full of conspiracies, with the, but the other conspiracy theory about the Justin Vernon thing, that comes also across not just in the studio techniques, but in how Frank Ocean, again, has this range in his voice mm -hmm. that he can play all the main characters of that second section, all the you know, background vocal mm -hmm. characters that are singing in completely mm -hmm. different styles. And then he can come in this third section, have the cinematic cut, and essentially transform his identity mm -hmm. in some ways mm -hmm. to this third kind of role, this third kind of character. Yeah. <sighs> It's incredible. It's like such a vocal range. It's it, mm -hmm. it's um, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, and and it's I mean, as you said, it's super vulnerable, but very well, yeah. like you know, sung, and um, right, and you know, I'm sure we are taller in another dimension. I think that's the first line of of that, but yeah. and and you're basically right. like already in another dimension, but. Um, right, yeah. Since you brought up uh, kind of text painting, you know, we also get this very crucial line I, that I thought, you know, he's singing in falsetto. He's talking about being primal and naked, like mm -hmm. really, again, stripping everything down to these basics and really, mm -hmm. like you said, vulnerable. It, it, it's not only vulnerable uh, timbrally, it's not only primal and vulnerable in these timbral ways and these kind of structural ways, but he's, you know, and this is what we can talk about a little bit more when we read through the lyrics and talk more about the lyrics. But in some ways, this this track is highlighting, it seems like, this kind of very intimate relationship between two people and, mm -hmm. and you know, kind of documenting their relationship in some ways. And mm -hmm. to come to this third one and get to this language talking about being mm -hmm. primal and naked. I mean, again, we're in we're in the sexy cabin, you know, really <laughs> yeah. just kind of like uh -huh. connecting mm -hmm. and telling each other our feelings and, you know, getting into some mm -hmm. getting into to some heaviness there. You yeah. know, I mean, like, you know, the the contrast between the first and the second right. sections are pretty obvious just because of instrumentation and, and the voices. But the instrumentation right. between right. two and three are pretty similar. It's just like the same guitar. Almost. Right. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. But it's yep. slightly different mic. Um, right. And so, and, a, and another EQ probably on it and so forth. Mm -hmm. And his mm -hmm. voice. And it's incredible, right. like, how different just his voice made yeah. these, um, makes these two exactly. sections. Yeah. Um, Right, right. Without even an instrumentation change. No, no. This, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. It's it's just totally. of course. I mean, his voice is such a like important element of the thing, and I mean, mm -hmm. the crazy vocal arrangements and 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 um, call and response things in in the second verse, uh, of course, go away, and you get right. like the the zoomed in kind of 
on on the intimacy in in part in the third version. Right. Well, well, the I th- thought another interesting thing with that though is that not the is the call and responses don't go away. They stay there, but they ch- it's similarly to his main voice, they they change, they transform mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Where they they act a little bit differently. Again, they're mm-hmm. EQ'd a little bit differently. They're mic'd a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. The reverb set up in a different way. Mm-hmm. The call and response styles are kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ad lib styles are happening in a different style than mm-hmm. what was happening in the second section. It's just just this with the same materials. It's a total transformation. It's so mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that maybe brings us into um, you know talking a little bit more about lyrical themes and textual mm-hmm. themes uh with with the track and before we go mm-hmm. into that uh i'm just uh, you know i i had hadn't heard about like that Kanye west was uh producing that or yeah, is, yeah. or he was he's he's listed as a co-writer i don't know exactly co-writer. what that means in terms of this he's not listed as a producer for it okay okay but he as is a listed co-writer. as a co-writer I, i'm just like baffled like to think about yeah. like what in this track would have come from Kanye? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely, <laughs> like you know, he could have taken part in the in the first section. Although, mm-hmm. like Kanye is experimental in many ways, also. He yeah, is, yeah, totally. He's completely different experimental than this. Kind of. I I don't know. I I mean, yeah, we hadn't talked. We haven't talked about this much because. I just kind of saw it as we were reading through this, but mm-hmm. I think they're actually strangely experimental in very similar ways. I think okay. my 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 conspiracy read on on this to read into mm-hmm. it is I think looking at knowing Frank Ocean's age and his generate the generation he comes from, which I think he he and I are probably almost the same age. Uh, okay, he's a he's a he's a few years older than me. So I, okay. I, I think we're we're basically in the same generation. So I think mm. it's this thing where, you know, just speaking for myself, and I think this, this I what I'm saying is I think it's the same for Frank Ocean as well. Where I think essentially we came up listening to Kanye and mm-hmm. like uh, yeah. Kanye for people that were interested in uh, that kind of music. But we're, I think we're interested in making it a little bit weirder, but staying still in popper. Um, mm-hmm. And we're interested in the studio techniques and, you know, all these kinds of weird uh, technical things and, and the weird formal play. And ex- like you said, experimentation with what Kanye does. Um, I, I, I would imagine the way I would read it is I think Frank Ocean probably came up in that way, too, of probably admiring Kanye's pr- production work. Um, and I think in some ways that maybe has seeped in to his own um, kind of play with with bending genre a little bit and like making genre a little bit weirder and making pop and rap and hip hop, whatever, um, making all that stuff kind of just be a little bit on the weirder side. I think in some ways he, I, I actually think he gets that um, from essentially kind of growing, probably growing up listening to Kanye and studying Kanye in some way. Um, and so to me, it, it's like a surprising thing and like, oh, I didn't know that kind of uh, trivia fact. But I think in many ways, it actually doesn't feel that surprising. It feels that the, the, for, the formal things that he, the formal things that happen in White Ferrari, especially the like c- the cinematic cut idea and the, and the like smashing of disparate three disparate sections. 
I feel like that comes straight out of the Kanye West playbook. How much do I not give a fuck? Let me show you right now for you give it up. How much do I not give a fuck? Let me show you right now for you give it up. Baby girl try and get a nut, and a girl try and give it up. Chop them both down. Don't judge them, Joe Brown. That reminds me so much of things that happen in Yeezus. It it it's it the 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 tone of this is sure much more like maybe 808s and heartbreak Yeezus kind of minimalism. Um, but it, there, there are still formal elements and production elements that happen in My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy that I think uh, this has in many ways as well. I th and I think, you know, looking at, again, all the, all, the, all the producers behind a lot of the other tracks in the album, you know, James Blake and Rostam and all these other people, I think in many ways that they're of that generation too where they're, 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 they, they essentially have absorbed these things that and the ways that Kanye did things a little bit in a weird way um formally and musically and I think um they all kind of in their own ways um have taken that up as their own kind of thing all those people kind of exist in that world where they're doing pop stuff but they're all doing it in like a little bit of an idiosyncratic way um and I think that's like the definition of Kanye right but yeah, I'm so curious. I would be so curious to know more about like what his direct input w was on the track, like whether or not it was a sitting in on the writing sessions and giving his opinion about X, Y, and, like different, like smaller things about like lines or about structure of a phrase or anything like that, or if it was a matter of talking about instrumentation, or if it, you know, maybe it was a thing where he just smashed this demo that you did with this demo and. Like, that's the track, you know, like some like very, I could see him doing like a, almost like a very brutalist kind of just like, boom, just smash things together. Just do it. <laughs> like I could see him kind of being in the studio and kind of making those kinds of calls too. But who knows? I, I don't know exactly what his direct input on it is, but I think it is an interesting little tidbit in thinking about how the thing was made and what its relation is to, again, the main thesis we're talking about, which is like, pop music but a little bit not pop music like a little bit weird um which uh that little bit um of outsidery kind of a thing brings us actually back around to talking a little bit about the text in some ways because um this you know just to give a little bit more background as well this album is gained some 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 uh interest in publicity as well in terms of um kind of some some discussions around uh, some discussions around Frank Ocean um, and his uh, sexuality and his um, and his ideas of queerness and in the ways that he's spoken about his own identity and kind of revealed about his own self and his own life and I think in in this album he uh, drops kind of some textual hints um, towards certain kinds of uh, ways of being that I think are really interesting. And so in some ways, you know, I wrote like a little note to myself for this track. I think like White Ferrari in some ways is specifically what, what I'm going to say about my, 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 my big, my textual theory 
um, for white Ferrari in some ways is I think it's like a very uh, perfectly experimental like anthem of not just queerness, but I think of like of queer theory of like, I think it has a lot of very hard hitting theoretical ideas that you could pull out of this text. But you've mentioned a few different spots and all of the spots you mentioned are all super weird stuff right like the driving thing you mentioned it starts out with this driving whole situation but it's all a little bit vague language right like a lot of lines like you know i care for you still and will forever and then the next that was my part of the deal That's all the... these like you know little things like yeah you know it's kind of hidden but you know we should be like staying honest with ourselves he talks about like you know, dimension, like in right. coming from another dimension. Right. Um, um, tired of moving your body, aching. And like, you know, there is like this a little bit frustration within that as well. Right. And like, right. And like, you know, you dream of walls that hold us imprisoned. Like all these, like, you know, breaking out. Of right. Yeah. And I think, I think in many ways, like the text actually backs up are like musical, I think you could look at it both ways, the music backing up the text and the text backing the music. But either way, I think now that we're looking at the text, I think it really backs up our musical thesis again of this thing where it, the whole idea of it being pop, staying pop and staying mainstream in some ways, but having this weirdness element to it, I think is what he does in his, the way he does the text, which is so fascinating too, where it'll be a very blatant, blatant like almost like, too simplified pop statement like I care for you or you know any kind of those or like you said the your conspiracy lines of the um good times you know like just these kind of like very blatant just like uh kind of basic statements or something like that and then it'll be just that fact that this the line right after that will be like a little bit weird it'll be like it won't make sense totally with the thing before or it will be a little bit more vague than the second one and so it won't really clear anything up for us about that and so i think essentially the the thing i find of interest with this um the poetics of this track textually is that it, it it's clearly about uh, uh, some specific stuff and we can kind of dig into what those specific things are but it it just it, it only it's, again similarly to the to the music it just gives you enough to call it pop it just gives you enough to 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 grasp on to what it the subject matter is but it doesn't give you the whole story it doesn't give you the whole thing and it doesn't reveal too much it's it's just nuanced and subtle enough that i think is one of the really beautiful uh kind of poetic aspects of it um and again why i think it it, it essentially uh lends itself as a kind of queer theory anthem in ways uh, of it being um, this this thing that doesn't um, doesn't need to conform to a certain thing. It, it, it will it will it, it will tell you about itself, but it'll tell you about itself on its own terms, kind of a thing that I think is really fascinating about it. And he, we even get this one beautiful line that was one of my favorites, and that I think it's in the last section where he says, "I didn't care to state the plane," um, and I think that again is this. The way I I would want to read that is this thing where he doesn't need to give the whole he doesn't need to reveal himself in an obvious way he's gonna do it in his own way um, that I think is a really beautiful line. I didn't care 
to state the plane. You mentioned the, um, the thing with the last line, the last few lines about the walls and the the body and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I think, uh, you know, I think I think the there's a lot of interesting stuff where he's talking about the body and how the body like tr- is a trap in some ways and mm. and ages and you know if you had any other stuff you wanted to say about that but similarly like i i think in some ways like i said kind of at the top i think the main story or narrative of it is essentially this telling of about you know frank ocean and, and someone that you know he has an intimate relationship with and mm-hmm. you know i think it's about how their relationship has grown or transformed and it's really ab- about time and memory and you know i think you could read the text in a few different ways in terms of like it, they might not they might be together now they might be meeting in that cabin right but like at the mm-hmm. end but it might just be a fact that he's just remembering their times together it might not, it might be that they, mm-hmm. they're not together anymore and he's kind of like just kind of having the remembrance of their relationship and their closeness and how they're still close but separate it could i think it could go mm-hmm. either way um well, definitely. I mean, it's um, even I was like, you know, sometimes I was like reading through it and is he like just talking about the relationship to himself somehow, um, which is another reading as well, like him, like, you know, trying just to deal with, um, you know, his, uh, his sexuality or or his thoughts um, right. in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. And how, how and even how. You know, again, I think, like I said, time, I think, is a part of it. If if it is just about himself in some ways, and I think it could be even about both. It could be about the other person and himself, too, possibly. It's like mm-hmm. all these four different interpretations. But if it, if it is just about himself, then it's about himself changing in some ways and, like, how we transform mm-hmm. over time and how, um, you know, like... We, we move into different states in our life and like our personality maybe changes a little bit and our thoughts change and you know we're always kind of mm-hmm. constantly transforming and morphing and becoming in different ways and I think this track essentially is talking about that and we get this kind of note at mm-hmm. the end which you read off about the walls not going to be in prison it has this like very future leaning way of talking where it's about like i'm also going to keep going i'm also going to keep transforming and i'm going to keep becoming and you know i'm not going to let these any kind of these barriers hold me back type of thing i'm going to just evolve there is this like beethovian like uh uh, name for like uh, growing up story or like Bildungsroman, that's what it is. Bildungsroman. Yeah, I think you could. I think you definitely could read it kind of in that. But you know, again, bringing it back to the film idea, if it's a Bildungsroman done cinematically, it's it's shot mm-hmm. in a very kind of loose, abstract style. We're not yeah, we're not yeah, getting yeah. we're not getting all the years. There are gaps of time between, mm-hmm. you know, and it's shot like mm-hmm. a little obliquely and we're seeing him off in the distance mm-hmm. you know it, it, we're not it's not again if it's not mainstream music it's also not mainstream film if we're using the film mm-hmm. analogy right like this is like some yeah. this is like some mm-hmm. art film shit right <laughs> <laughs> but i could hear frank ocean say your delayed eyes yeah uh-huh. your dilated yeah, eyes again and again and again yeah uh-huh. yeah totally he he says it so like smoothly and it's like, beautiful 
your dilated eyes. Similarly to that, like the line that I I didn't know exactly what he was saying until I looked it up was uh, so I text to speech lesser speeds Texas speed yes that's like the that he he's you know he's not known as a rapper in any kind of a way really mm -hmm. but that's the most like kind of rap adjacent line in some ways where it does mm -hmm. that like again I guess be, because he has this association with Andre three thousand I, I feel like the 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 rhyme styles used in that are very Andre three thousand esque mm -hmm. where the 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 rhymes are at the front sometimes and at the back and then they're moving uh, mm -hmm. into you know different formations it's just it flows so beautifully when, when he I says that those two lines so I text the speech less the speech text the speed yes like that whole flow right there in that first section, mm -hmm. it's just, mm -hmm. it's just gorgeous. Yeah, I could listen to that, him doing that flow yeah. all day. Some tattooed eyelids on a facelift. Yeah. Mind over matter is magic. I do magic. Yeah, that's a beautiful imagery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of those funny ones too, though, again, where it's like, he's not saying anything that's, you know, it's not impenetrable. It's not... In, insanely cryptic mm -hmm. but then it's just cryptic enough like mind over matter is like a cliche right like that, that's like mm -hmm. uh, just a basic statement that people throw around and then mm -hmm. using the word magic like that's the same thing like what's magic like it's kind of kids stuff but then like combining that cliche with the other cliche the like mm -hmm. mind over magic and the mind over matter thing together that it mm -hmm. just adds this like it just makes it weird enough and then how like mm -hmm. how does that relate to the tattooed eyelids on a face yeah, yeah, like yeah. they're just like exactly. these two disparate lines like shove them together and it means mm -hmm. something still I don't know you know it's mm -hmm. it's such a uh, such an interesting poetics and so and the, then you know the the two last line mm. lines it's just a skull At least that's what they call it and we are free to roam so I mean you know the the first sentence there like it's just a skull at least that's what they call it right very cryptic yeah and then and we are free to roam so it kind of uh you know uh, it's, it's also like he ends on like optimism yeah right uh, in that cabin or at least at least some kind of a again future like there's there's a future ahead kind of a thing mm -hmm. where, where i feel like mm -hmm. it also brings back the car in some ways right like Mm -hmm. Now, you know, it's like that's the moment in this in the movie version of this where like starts the engine back up again. And there's like a close up shot <laughs> on yeah. him and then like he zooms away off into the sunset kind of a thing, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. off in the distance mm -hmm. and the camera doesn't follow him. The camera stays behind thing, you know, I love to talk. Beautiful. Stunning all around. Nice. Basically, yeah. we're saying every dimension of this track has something of interest in it. I hope you all are able to find, um, you know, your own way through this track. Um, and I hope we were able to guide you in some ways through, I think, all of, or not even all, many of the multidimensional uh, points of interest along the path of this track. I think you can mm -hmm. still find many other interesting things uh, in this track, uh, mm -hmm. in, in interesting jewels that are that are sitting around in this track. Um, but we hope this illuminated some things about uh, White Ferrari for you. And if if you already love the track, uh, we hope that it just you know maybe further enriched or further 
uh, interest to you and what exactly it is that you maybe loved about it. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not saying that these are all. You have to hear these things and you have to find the, you have to kind of pull apart all these details to be able to enjoy this track you obviously don't that's one of the beautiful things about it but I hopefully these give you some kind of a richer um, way of hearing the track going forward right I mean I I have a feeling that maybe it's not the last track that we do by Frank Ocean and uh, maybe yeah uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> future episodes will 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 bring some of his other tracks yeah. Um, back yeah. if you can um, uh, like and subscribe um, smash it would do us a, a great favor um, on whatever platform you're listening however um, you're listening to this yeah and please I mean if you if you like like the show um, please uh, rate and review us and also Please leave us uh, comments for, uh, you know, if there is any tracks that you want us to cover or you have any ideas. Yeah, if you want, if you want us to uh, try to interview some person of interest to you. Um, and you can also interact with us uh, in the fact that we have a, a Twitter page. Um, you can yeah. talk to us there. We have a Facebook page. Um, and we also have an email. So you can find all that stuff on our website um, and uh, at any of those places. On Twitter, our handle is at PlinkPlonk4. Um, you can type this in on Facebook. Just search for PlinkPlonk and you'll find us there. And on our Twitter, you'll also see our website. Um, if you can see all the program notes and everything. And also in the, uh, in the show notes for the podcast, you'll see a link for our website. Anyways... We would love to hear from you guys, and you guys can all kind of talk to us in the places there. And like Jörg said, rating, reviewing, and sharing with your friends is the best way for more and more people, hopefully, to listen to the podcast. So that's a very helpful ask of you. Mm. So, Aaron, um, thank you for the music. Thank you for the music. Okay, here I'm doing fine Mama, and make it a dream of walls that hold us in prison It's just a skull that's what they call it And we're free to play